Hello and welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. My name is Charles Lego and I'm your host. On this week's episode, we speak with Mike Miranda, president of the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. And I was out there one night covering the playoffs. Cordova was going to play. In fact, uh, I went up to meet Mr. Frizzy. I said, hey, you know, I just want to stick my head and say hi to you. I've always enjoyed your sound, your, your voice. And, well, come on up here. You know, come on up and have a seat. Well, the game is starting. And he said, you know, where are you from? And I said, Rancho Cordova. I actually covered the Lancers uh, for the newspaper. He said, would you like to do an inning? And I said, Absolutely. You would let me do? He goes, sure, you know all the players. Just don't botch the guys for, you know, I think they were playing Grant. Well, I did the first inning, and he said, you sounded great. Would you like to do another inning? I said, well, sure. So he let me do three innings that night. We discuss how Mike got into the newspaper business at the ripe old age of 10, when he had a successful paper round with over 80 customers. This led him to become a successful sports writer for a variety of newspapers in the Sacramento region before having a successful 30-year career with the state of California, where he held various positions. Mike is an expert on sports and especially knowledgeable on all things sports in Rancho Cordova. We discuss the many sports figures he came into contact with over the years, many of whom went on to achieve national prominence. We also discuss how the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame was formed. I'm also happy to announce that Mike will host a monthly show on this podcast, interviewing some of the most notable sports personalities that got their start right here in Rancho Cordova before going on to achieve greater things in the sports world. The first interview will be with baseball great Randy Lurch, a Rancho Cordova native who went on to play and have a long, successful career in the MLB. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Rancho Cordova podcast. So, Mike Miranda, welcome to the Rancho Cordova podcast. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell the listeners all about Mike Miranda. Well, certainly. Uh, again, my name is Mike Mirando, and actually, I spent the majority of my childhood here in Rancho Cordova. Uh, I, some people have a split personality. I have kind of what you would call a kind of a split childhood. I spent the first quarter of my childhood uh, in my hometown of Milan, Illinois, but the majority of which uh, occurred here in Rancho. It was kind of a typical story in the late 50s. Mom and dad got divorced. Mom took the kids and headed west, and my brothers and I ended up here okay. in uh, 1962. So let's go back. So you pronounce it Milan. I, I would pronounce it Milan. Like well, it's, it's Milan. Milan? Yeah, Milan. Milan, Milan. So Milan where Illinois. Is, where is Milan, Illinois? Milan is a suburb of Rock Island, which is part of the Quad Cities okay. uh, that separate uh, the uh, Iowa and Illinois border. The this big separation, of course, of the Mississippi River. Rock Island and Moline on the Illinois side, and Davenport and Bettendorf, Iowa, on the Iowa side, hence the Quad Cities. And if you throw East Moline in there later, they became known as the Quint Cities, five and, cities. And where would that be for, uh, for someone ignorant like I am with the geography of Illinois? Where would that be in relation to Chicago? It's about three to three and a half hours southwest of oh, okay. Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So you were born in... Milan, Illinois. Correct. Your parents, James, James and Myrna, were your parents. Right. And they were in the restaurant business. Yeah. And as the story goes, my parents opened up a restaurant in Silvis, which is a suburb of Milan, back in the late 1940s called the Tropics. In fact, my dad was still in the service. When he got out, he always envisioned a restaurant with a Polynesian slash Las Vegas vibe to it. Wow. And hence, uh, he ended up opening Mirando's in early 1951. It was called Mirando's? Yeah, Mirando's Restaurant. That's a good name. And for uh, over 25 years, 30 years, they had a lot of the top-name entertainers there that performed there. Louis Belson played there, Carmen Cavallero. Wow. Uh, Clyde McCoy, Tiny Tim, before he did tiptoe through the tulips, Wow, uh, came through there. Plus, we had a lot of local... Yeah. musicians. And do you remember that? Do you remember Oh, that? yes. Yeah? yeah absolutely. Uh, one of the, the, the great benefits, if there is, to divorce, my mom would always uh, send my brother and I back 
to spend the entire summers during the last seven years of my father's life. And so we were able to see a lot of the, the top entertainers. I always hung out at the restaurant during the day. Yeah. But as a little kid, Dad said I had to be home by 8 o'clock. Right. Well, sometimes my brother would stretch that to 9.30 or 10. And how old would you have been? Oh, at the time, I was uh, 7, 8, 9, yeah. 10, 11 years old. So that's a good exposure to to arts and entertainment. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, especially the, uh, the evening shows. Uh, one of the great stories I like to tell is... You know, Dad always wanted to keep me busy, even though he was busy running the restaurant. So one evening at about 6.20, he gives me a clipboard and said, Here, I want you to go out and keep track of all the different states of cars that come in, in the parking lot. Okay, and I'll pay you a few bucks. But you've got to come back at 5 to 7 and hand me the, the clipboard. So in that 30 minutes, a rainstorm occurred. I mean, it was pouring. Midwestern rain, right. you're susceptible to right. that. So I was counting the cars, but I wasn't getting enough of them. And he told me, don't count Iowa and Illinois. I want all the other states. So along comes a truck, hits a pothole, and just drenches me and soaks my paper. So some guy yelled at me and said, hey, why don't you go up to the front of the parking lot and just check them as they come in? So that's what I did. Here I'm a mess. There's mud all over me. So... I get probably 20, 25 cars logged from eight or 10 different states, ran up the steps. The place was packed. I fought my way and saw my dad near the stage. It's about two minutes to seven. I said, here, Pop, here's the, here's the list. And he said, great. He gets up on stage. The lights go on. And he says, welcome to Mirando's. And especially our friends as southeast as Florida, from as far west as Nevada. He looked at that sheet and then handed it back to me. And within 30 seconds, he is introducing people from all these states wow. whose cars I tracked. And now on with the show, I'd like to introduce Guy Lombardo and the Royal Canadians. You know? yeah. And so he gets off stage, and I'm sitting there, and he says, here, he peels off a $10 bill and he says, here, go home and get cleaned up. You're starting to get a little ripe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really a good introduction for me right. for the entertainment business. And so I, people would go from everywhere to this. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it was well known? It was very well known because you had a lot of uh, great entertainers go through there uh, that, uh, that, that performed there. Uh, singers. Uh, uh, so did Liberace on two occasions. Wow. Uh, back in the uh, late so, 50s, early 60s. So coming from the entertainment field, as I do, um, how did he get into that? He was in the forces, right? He was in the military? Yes. Uh, very early on, uh, he and my uncle Jeff kind of tag-teamed it. In fact, he was there in the beginning as well. Dad always envisioned when he took an assignment in Okinawa, that's when he got the idea, according to my mom, to open up a restaurant with entertainment, had a combination of a Polynesian kind of Las Vegas vibe to it. And so that's uh, provided the early uh, early fruits, if you will, wow. of, uh, of the restaurant business, what he envisioned. And also my mother, who was an accomplished musician in her own right. right. In fact, Charles, uh, by the time she was 18, she could play 500 pieces of sheet music by ear. Wow. She was on the road at 19, playing in clubs as, as far south as Biloxi, Mississippi. Wow, uh, she okay. came out to Nevada. Uh, she wasn't even 21 yet. Well, as the story goes, uh, her agent had come in contact with my father before they got married. And he said, Jim, there's a gal down here that you need to listen to if you're looking for a pianist. And her name is Myrna Mirando. She's playing at some place in Mississippi. My dad goes down there on the down low and listens to her. Doesn't introduce himself, just watches and listens. Calls her the next night, he's still staying in town, and asked to meet her. And uh, well, she was actually on the piano stand when she took that phone call, okay? She said, well, hold on just a minute. She puts the phone down and she com con continues to play a set for 45 minutes forgets that my dad was on the other end of the line. Listening? And she goes, oh, my gosh, uh, Mr. Miranda, are you still there? And he said, yes. How soon can you come up to, uh, to Illinois? Okay. Well, he was uh, very much infatuated with her, both musically 
and as it turned right, out, right, right. Uh, romantically as well. That's a great story. And a, yeah. year, a year later, they were married yeah. in Jake Gottlieb's Chicago apartment. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So eventually, you that your parents um, separated. And then your mother came to Rancho? Is that how it worked? Yeah. Uh, they separated and divorced in 1960. We ended up coming out to Los Angeles for several months, stayed near her sister, my aunt, and then uh, came up to Rancho Cordova because mom had uh, remarried a year later. And uh, her new husband worked for Control Data here in Sacramento. Okay. Uh, and then we settled in Rancho Cordova in 1962. And you've been here ever since? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, and did your mother carry on playing the piano and stuff when she was here? She did. Yeah. Uh, she played at a number of local uh, hot spots. For yeah. example, the Sheep Herders Inn, yeah. which has gone through several iterations mm -hmm. over the, the last several years. But she played at the Sheep Herders for seven or eight years during the 1970s. She played at the Auburn Hotel. Yeah. Uh, Chet Holt owned a lot of different properties, of which those were two. And she also played at the Quarter Deck. Uh, she played at the uh, uh, downtown at the El Mirador uh, Hotel. And she also played at the Senator, when right. it was an actual hotel. And she played at Mills Station. When it was a restaurant pub, she played special events on the second floor. And where was that? At the time, it was in a different location. Yeah, right? it was off of Folsom Boulevard, and they've moved it a couple times. Now, of course, obviously, it's the Mac. Yeah, right. The, uh, and we'll get to, to all that. Sure. Right now, we're just getting to know Mike. Um, so you would go back to Illinois for like five years every summer to, to it was be with six, your dad? Uh, yeah. 1960 to 66. He passed yeah. away in the fall of 1966. Okay. Uh, he actually came out here. My older brother, Jim, went to Cordova High School and yeah. graduated class of 66. And, yeah. And Pop came out for that. And unfortunately, he had lung cancer and he died in September of that year. So you went to school here in Rancho? Yes. So yeah. you went to high school, obviously. Did you go to Cordova? Yes. Yeah. I went to Mills uh, Junior High, of yeah. course. I and went to Cordova. Peter Shields and then Cordova High School. I graduated in 1973. And then when you were 10, your entrepreneurial spirit shone. You had a, a paper route at 10 years old, and you had 80 customers. That, to me, sounds like a lot. It um, was. In fact, uh, it was kind of kind of an interesting story. My mom didn't think I had enough to do at 10. You know, back then it was get outside and blow some stink off, and I'll see you at 6 o'clock. Well, apparently I didn't get out too much. So she had become friends with the circulation manager of the Sacramento Union. And mom at the time was playing piano downtown at the El Mirador, which was not too far from 301 Capitol Mall where the union was. So the next thing I know, Mom says, yeah, you want a job as a newspaper delivery boy? I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll give that a shot. Ten years old, right? Go down, talk to the circulation manager, big fella named Ewing, and he said, uh, you think you can handle this? And I said, no, I'll give it a try. He goes, well, good. We need somebody in your neighborhood. You start tomorrow. Okay. Wow. Well, back in those days, Charles, uh, you got complaints which were yellow tags. The green tags were new starts, and the red tags were stops. One of the big requirements we had was you had to porch the newspaper. And so I befriended a, a, a guy in the neighborhood who delivered the Sacramento Bee, which at the time was an afternoon daily. I had to get up at 3 in the morning, see, deliver the Union. So the paper you were delivering was the Sac Bee? Sacramento Union. Oh, the Union. Yeah, back then yeah. with two newspapers. One was an afternoon daily, which was the Bee. Bee. And, which we all aspired to want to have a B route right. for obvious reasons. Right. Plus, they paid a little more. Right. I, I made about thirty bucks a month, provided everybody paid their dollar fifty a month. It's really kind of funny. Did you it? have to collect the money as well? I did. Had to collect. You bet. And it, uh, if everybody paid, I got thirty, thirty-one dollars a month, plus an extra probably ten dollars a month in tips. But I had that route for close to a year. Wow. Okay. And you enjoyed it, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. After my mom, when she would get home from playing the piano, a lot of times she would bring the newspapers home with her instead of oh, the truck. Yeah, she would just drive after her shift. Right. She'd get off at one thirty or two in the morning. She'd go pick up the bundles of papers in her station wagon, come home. Sometimes she would start folding them for me. Then she'd wake me up at two thirty or three, and I'd stuff them in in the uh, carrier bags on my bicycle. 
and off I went. Wow. Everybody right. had their paper by 6 o'clock when I delivered. That would be very character building, I would think. It was. Yeah. It was the halfway point was Farmer's Market at McGregor and Coloma. And in the little strip mall, there was a little coffee. It was a laundromat where they had hot drinks. It said coffee and hot drinks. Well, I always treated myself for a dime with a hot cocoa because wow. that was the halfway point. Right, right. And then I and, continued on. And where did you live in those days? Uh, over on Ambassador Drive, yeah. uh, close to Starlin, around the corner from Peter okay. Shields Elementary. So what was Rancho? It wasn't Rancho, of course, in those days. It was just Sacramento, right? Well, it was known. No, it was it Rancho was known Cordova. As Rancho? Yeah. yeah, we were a township, uh, yeah. legally, uh, technically. But it was known. Right. It had its own identity so, as Rancho Cordova. What was it like? To grow up? Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. When we got here, Cordova Park was just being built. In fact, I have pictures of myself and my younger brother uh, watching some of the uh, bulldozers come in and laying the, the foundation for what would be the lake, the man-made lakes that they had out there. But on our street in Rancho, when we bought our house, the homes down the street were still being built. And you could smell the, uh, the materials, the wood and the cement from the other homes. And we were fortunate to get in that housing track. But it was a fabulous time in the early uh, 19, late 62, 63, because in 63 is when Cordova High School opened, as well as a lot of the other schools, including Peter Shields Elementary. And how was Sacramento, the city of Sacramento? As a, as as a, was it like today with all the, the government buildings? and no, no, it was quite unlike today. Yeah, The city of Sacramento, from a Rancho Cordova standpoint, in the eyes of a seven or eight-year-old, that was clear on the other side of the world. Right. Back then, we had our bicycle. And if you drove three blocks away, that was the next neighborhood. And we had lots of friends that lived maybe three or four blocks away, but that was a big deal to go over to their house. And to go on the other side of Cordova High School, which you would have to, I'd have to ride my bike down Georgetown and hit Coloma, then you hung a ride on Chase, that was a completely different neighborhood, a completely different group of kids. But we got to know them because a lot of them were in our, in our classes, especially right. when we got to junior high school. That's when it really became integrated. Yeah. So now we move along, and now you're at Cordova High. Same place as it is today? The layout is the same, but the look and feel is completely different. When Cordova opened, it was a mini college campus. It was a school unlike anybody has ever seen. Well, I've actually been there. It's actually a pretty big campus for yes. high school. And when it opened in 63, it bigger. was bigger than some college yeah. campuses because you had the football field, you had buildings, some of the buildings butted up against the, the lake at the, at, at the, uh, at the rec center. Uh, it was a fabulous place to go, even during off-school hours. When I was a kid growing up, a lot of the neighborhood kids would go to, go to uh, Cordova Stadium on Saturday afternoons to hear the football, to watch the football team play. And what was interesting, even though we lived on Ambassador, on a fall afternoon you could still hear, hear Cordova's band playing. Wow. And when the band would play, you knew Cordova would score a touchdown. Yeah. So we would all think, we got to go check this out. So yeah. we would ride our bike, right, right. bikes and watch the games from uh, behind the chain. And we're fence. going to get into all things sports because that's why you're here. Sure. Um, but we're just getting to know a little bit about you here. So in 1971, so what, were you 15, 16? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yep. And you're at Cordova High, I would imagine. And now you become a high school correspondent for the Union newspaper. Um, tell us about that. What was that? What's a high school correspondent? Well... One afternoon, we're in class, and it was, I think, an English class. And the teacher said, uh, I need two volunteers. The Sacramento Bee and the Sacramento Union need a high school correspondent for each paper. Who wants the gig? My hand went up, as well as a fellow by the name of Bob Grasswich, who later became known as R.E. Grasswich, who wrote for the Sacramento Bee. He ended up becoming the correspondent for the Bee. I did it for the Union. And really, the rest was history. And that, what, what did you write about? 
wrote about uh, events going on at Cordova High School. Okay. Yeah, special yeah. events, uh, whether it was homecoming or special activities. It was really my first introduction to the newspaper business from wow. that side of the, that side of the aisle. And you weren't delivering the paper then. By then, no. you were done. No. I, so you would open it up. You'd see an article, and Mike Mirando is right there. The they name. had my picture in there, yeah. and they had my name, and they misspelled my name. Which it was a common occurrence in a number of levels, right? But they because it's Miranda. It. I would imagine people spell it with an I, Miranda. They, they yeah. did, and yeah. my mom fussed at him about yeah. it, and they quickly corrected it. But it was a fun gig. Uh, we did it. I, I did it for the rest of that year and part of the next year. Yeah, and um, how how were you at school? Did you like school? Were I you loved good, it. Yeah, good student. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I was I, I was one to uh, really plan some hijinks, if you will, yeah. that others seem to like to carry out. But right. m- basically, my high school experience was very pleasant. Yeah, a good group of kids. Yeah, and you continued the the correspondent. You continued that all through high school. I did. In fact, uh, I actually did a an apprenticeship, if you will, at the Grapevine uh, for a period of time when I was a senior, and. Then I was hired by the Green Sheet. We had a competing newspaper in town called the Rancho Cordovan, which was part of the Sacramento Suburban Newspapers. They had a different paper for every area of town. The Citrus Heights had right. their own paper, North Sac, right. South Sac, Rancho Cordovan. This is in the day of newspapers. This is in the day of newspapers, yeah. and they were located in Fair Oaks, the, the home office. So I was hired as a stringer uh, my senior year, and then... After I graduated, they actually offered me a job as sports editor, of yeah. which I was sports editor for the Green Sheets, all of them, for seven years. So when you um, when you were writing for the, what was your beat kind of thing? It wasn't about school, obviously. Then what were you writing about? Wide range of things because I oversaw several different newspapers. It could be football one week, baseball. But it was it, sports? It was it was 90% sports. sports. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which but, is going to lead us into your sports. Uh, so after high school, you went to American River College and then to, to um, Sac State? Right. Yeah. I graduated with a degree in communications. I yeah. minored in journalism, uh, did some work for the State Hornet, uh, also did some PA work for the football team. But, yeah, I graduated from Sac State. Uh, so college was easy because you were here, right? You didn't correct. have to go away for school. Nope. You go home every night? Uh, pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, looking back, there a, a slight regret. It's interesting. My uncle said, if uh, you decide to go to Northwestern, I'll pay for it. Yeah. Well, I decided not to. Probably not a wise choice on my part. But... I did have some great experiences here. He knew, apparently knew the dean at Northwestern or somebody right. connected right. there. But uh, I, I've always had an affinity, you know, obviously between the two areas. But yeah, Sacramento won out and I went yeah, to yeah. Sac State. So after college, what did you do? Well, uh, a couple of different things. One, I continued my work uh, with the Green Sheet and then was picked up by the Sacramento Union full time uh, in their sports department of which I worked there for uh, six years, five, six years, uh, covering mainly high school football, some pro sports. Uh, covered the Raiders a couple of times, the 49ers, uh, but mostly high school high school athletics uh, with the union. Sports writing, I'm always fascinated by sports writing. If you read, I'm in the fair of, in, in the interest of fairness here, I can't say I'm a huge sports person. Um, I certainly appreciate watching sports, but when you read the newspaper and you read when they write, it's it's there's a science to it for sure. Um, but you have to know all the moves and the, the, it's a different language if you're not in the sports um, world. Um, so then you went on to be the sports editor for the Elk Grove Citizen. Yes, uh, in between the union, uh, when I had, had quit the union. I actually went back east and worked uh, in the home improvement business with my brother for a year. And while I liked that, uh, I didn't really see home myself. Home improvement? Mm-hmm. What is that? Uh, roofing, siding. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Construction. Wind, wind, windows, sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, which he is still doing today. Okay. And doing quite well at it, but it just you know, it really wasn't my total gig. So I came back and worked uh, actually for the state fair first right. on a part-time basis. Right. And my last day of the fair, uh, I had met the editor of the Elk Grove Citizen who shared with me that she was looking for a sports editor. Their guy had just quit, so I went ahead and took the gig. And these were paid jobs? Oh, yeah. 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 The, the Elk Grove Citizen is still publishing today. Yeah. Back then, it was a twice-a-week paper. Yeah. And Elk Grove in the early 1980s was a very small community, but it was a very distinct community. Right. Much like Rancho Cordova, there were a lot of similarities. Yeah. And then it was time to get a real job. And you worked for the state. <laughs> yeah, I did. And you worked uh, in various so, capacities there in I, different departments. It, so the ones I think I have, you worked for the state fair, the Trade and Commerce Agency, Office of Traffic Safety, and DMV. Correct. Yeah. So how was it working for the state? Well, I would, always think that's a great job if you it, work for the state. I, as I like to tell people, I, I came in under Jerry Brown's governorship, and I left under Jerry yeah. Brown, and there was 30 years in between. Right, right. And uh, it's one of those jobs. So you jobs, left in 2012, the, the state? End of 2012. So Correct. you were there 20, Close 20 to, plus years? Yeah, yeah. Well, almost 30. 30, yeah, yeah 30 yep. years. Okay. Um, so now you retire. And now you're going to really get into this, the Rancho Cordova sports world. Uh, you become the public address announcement for the Sac River Cats. Right. In 2016, uh, the River Cats held a tryout. It's, and that is something I'd always aspired to do back to my Cordova days. In fact, Guy Anderson will tell you they put up a couple of loudspeakers near the stands so I could uh, do public address. And I actually called to some of the games when I was a high school senior. But I always had a love for doing that, uh, dating back to when I was a kid, Charles. And one of the defining moments was uh, when I was a junior, there was a fellow in town by the name of Lynn Frizzy. He was the public address announcer for the Sac Joaquin section baseball playoffs. They used to always hold those at, uh, at Renfrey Field. And I was out there one night covering the playoffs. Cordova was going to play. In fact, uh, I went up to meet Mr. Frizzy. I said, hey, you know, I just want to stick my head and say hi to you. I've always enjoyed your sound, your, your voice. And Well, come on up here. You know, come on up and have a seat. Well, the game is starting. And he said, you know, where are you from? And I said, Rancho Cordova. I actually cover the Lancers uh, for the newspaper. He said, would you like to do an inning? And I said, Absolutely. You would let me do it? He goes, sure, you know all the players. Just don't botch the guys for, you know, I think they're playing Grant. Well, I did the first inning, and he said, you sounded great. Would you like to do another inning? I said, wow. well, sure. So he let me do three innings wow. that night. And Len Frizzy, he worked at Miraloma High School. He was a, a teacher of note over there. Uh, just a beloved man. He's since passed away, but I, I, I credit him for for giving my start and 2016 rolls around the river cats are looking for a pa announcer and i submitted a tape they called me in i submitted another tape they called me in again and i'm thinking i might have a shot at this well sure enough and these tapes are voice types yes like voiceovers yeah in fact it's really kind of funny uh i didn't have a tape of myself to submit and it was on a flash drive but I was working for a PR firm downtown at the time, and the stairwells in the PR firm, I happened to go in there, and the voice echo oh. was just like it is in a stadium. So okay. I made so up my own there. lineup, and I did a couple of between-inning skits and commercials. I developed my own 30-second commercial spot, submitted that, and they uh, on the final interview, they said, you know, we can't pay you too much. And I said, you know what? It's like Shoeless Joe said about playing the game of baseball. I'd do it for food money. Yeah. He says, well, good, because that's all you're going to get here. Yeah. Charles, it was the best $11 an hour job I yeah. ever had. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I did that for two seasons. And then during all this time, Rancho Cordova becomes incorporated. Uh, yeah, it, it, they became incorporated right? in 2002. I know they held the vote then in the following yeah. year. Yes, they became And were you involved in that or just a passing thing that was going on? I wasn't involved living? directly, no. certainly supported the effort. Yeah. 
but that was mainly the city and, of course, the Cor- Cordova Community Council. Right. Uh, the Grapevine, of course, was right. a big advocate. Right. Shelley Blanchard. Yeah. Uh, th- Did you continue with the Grapevine? No. No. no past uh, my apprenticeship yeah. back when I was in high school. Because we've had Shelley here, and obviously she was the editor of the of the paper, right? Back back whenever, right? Big advocate yeah. for cityhood. In yeah. fact, uh, had the grapevine not has been such a vocal advocate, I'd know don't know if it would have passed, right? Because the bees' coverage was rather muted. Yeah, I, mean, I really don't think they wanted us to become no. a city, but you know, and it was a good thing. I mean, it's a very well run city now. Oh, it most certainly is. In fact, uh, I was sharing with a, a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. They passed a half-cent sales tax yeah. for Measure H yeah. when the city's in the black. Right. Usually cities right. pass they taxes when, they when they're in the red. Right. But what Rancho did that was that was so right, they held town halls all over town to tell people and to also get input from the community on how they're going to spend this money. That was unheard of. Wow. Nobody does that. But Rancho did it. And, and that they, would have been Donald Terry, right? Did he not initiate? Uh, yes. He initiated he, that, yeah. I think, the Measure H. Yeah, because they, uh, they had a town hall at Peter Shields that I had gone to and one other one that I went to, and yeah. it was really interesting. And a lot of the suggestions uh, were, were taken to heart yeah. and have since come to pass. Well, you know, as a recipient of a Measure H grant, I can tell you they do. It's, it's money very well spent. That really enhances the quality of life in the city, for sure. It does. So I came here three years ago to open the film office, and obviously I was in and out of City Hall all the time. I was also in and out of City Hall in Sacramento, and to an extent Folsom. But when I was going into uh, Rancho City Hall, right there, there's a huge exhibit, and it says the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. You have your shirt there. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm stood there and I'm looking at it and it's this person from Rancho and this person from, and I'm thinking, wow, like why does this city have all these sports people and why does a city have a sports hall of fame? And then every year thereafter, I see the announcements that they're having and someone's being inducted into the, into the hall. So how did the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame come to be and why because i'm really fascinated to understand this well i'll get to the why first you know the charles this city has more than 60 years of sports tradition and i experienced it at a very young age going to cordova stadium and watching people like steve and phil volmer and later jerry manuel and larry wolf some of these guys that were doing things on a football field that i had never seen done and it soon became apparent that Cordova High School, because of its uniqueness, you had Mills and Mitchell, the two feeder schools, the junior highs, were really providing athletes that were far and above better than a lot of other areas at that time. It was something special was happening. Now, concurrent with the sports, you also had Aerojet and Mather. And a lot of those kids, their parents, a lot of dads worked for Aerojet, and those that didn't were over at Mather working there. And so the beneficiary were our schools, Mills, Mitchell, the elementary schools, and ultimately Cordova High School. So when you talk about the why, in the 1970s, the, this Cordova High School accomplished something that hasn't been done since. Their football team, over a 10-year period, won, I believe it was 102 games, lost six and won four straight section championships. And the 1975 team was ranked number one in the country by Cal High Sports and one other uh, rating agency. Going to Cordova Stadium on a Saturday afternoon, it was not not uncommon to see nine or 10,000 people there. You'd have our side filled up. The visitors' side would be filled up mostly with our fans. And we played a lot of great games. You had a lot of great players, and you could see the talent uh, Max Venable, for example, uh, fullback, running back, uh, place kicker for the 75 team. Him and his brother, Daryl, they ran the wishbone offense. Uh, Scott Jenner was the quarterback. Uh, baseball players, we had a plethora of. Uh, Randy Lurch, the Nyman brothers, uh, Jeff Jenkins, Chris Bosio. All these players ended up becoming major league stars. Yeah. 
and not just marginal players. We had guys at Basio through a no-hitter. And they all went to Cordova? All went to Cordova, uh, wow. Cordova High School uh, in the 1970s. Do you think that's happened? Is there another high school like this? Well, there are. In the Sacramento area, uh, Grant High School has produced a, a number of players. Of course, Sacramento High School, Hiram Johnson. And, you know, we have Bob and Ken Force dating back to the 1960s. But uh, the Sacramento area has been traditionally a hotbed dating back to the 1940s. You know, we had the Sacramento Solons here, uh, two iterations of them. But the first one, when they had played at the old Edmonds Field uh, downtown at Stockton and Broadway in the Pacific Coast League, uh, those games would routinely sell out. So it, Cordova certainly had its place, but certainly also contributed to the overall uh, attraction of baseball in this town. Wow. So you're one of the original committee members of the Sports Hall of Fame here in Rancho. Correct. Um, to talk me through how. So one morning, someone woke up and said, hey, we need a Sports Hall of Fame. How did, how did that idea come Well, about? it was kind of in the afternoon. Conrad Mayer, uh, who student at Cordova High School, yeah. 79 graduate, very active in the community. In fact, he works at Cordova now. Yeah, we're going to have him in, actually. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, he'll tell you the story, but yeah. uh, he gives me a call one afternoon and said, hey, I've got this idea. I want to bounce off you for a Hall of Fame. I think it's something I've kind of been percolating on, and I think somebody kind of put the bug in his ear about it. So Conrad really was the one to formulate the first committee we had in 20, late 2014 and laid out the vision, if you will. And it's not just a sports hall of fame. It is, we call it the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame, but we are quite unlike other halls of fame in this sense. Your athletic achievement in high school and college will get your foot in the door, but there's also a weight given to what you've done with life afterward. Okay. Yeah, and so that is kind of what separates us from okay. just simply a high school hall So if of you fame. excelled in sports, but you went on to rob banks, you're not going to get in there. That is true. Yeah. And we've had a few nefarious characters, yeah, right. of, which I'm not going to mention, but uh, like anything else, we do try and have a, uh, a standard, if yeah. you will. Which is good. Yeah. So how many of on the committee? How many people? Right now we have nine. Nine? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they're comprised of, you know, obviously former former Cordova High graduates. Some of them, some of them are inductees into the Hall of Fame because we want those types of folks. Right. And we're always looking for folks right. to to join the committee because as we get older, a lot of, you know, early on we thought, oh my gosh, we're only going to have enough people for maybe four or five induc induction ceremonies because where we're going to get more. Uh, potential candidates well guess what they come out of the woodwork when you get new committee members people like max miller who has been with uh, off and on with cordova since the early 1960s we have max miller on the committee conrad's on the committee uh, we've we've got tony farinez uh, the farinez family his brother brett played with the la rams we've got aaron walker a fabulous runner in her own right and she is a great committee member they, the new blood provides new potential inductees. Okay. So we're never going to be at a loss for good quality in, inductee candidates. Right. And, um, and I've noticed since I've been here, you know, you see the announcements. You know, Shelley Blanchard normally puts them out, um, that there's going to be some ceremony for an induction into the Hall of um, Fame. How many times a year do you induct people is it just once a year once a year typically in the fall in the month of september yeah. and we will have an induction ceremony at city hall it's yeah. turned out to be quite successful yeah. successful we always seem to sell out yeah it's more of also community events yeah we've had a lot of people that are not inductees come to this event just because it's part of the community and really kind of neat to see the new inductees, their families, and groups of friends that come out to support them. Right. Um, so going back to the sports riding, so there's two guys who work here with me, Rafael and Jose. Rafael engineers the show. So he's gonna, he wants to ask you a question. You're going to come in and ask it? He's gonna, he wants to ask you. He's, a, he's an avid sports fan. 
Excellent. So he's going to ask you a question. And it's going to be right now. Hey, Mike, just a quick question here. Uh, when you were working as a sports writer, did you stop and think to yourself, like, wow, that she or he is going to be a sports legend? And did they go off to be a professional? Yes. And the first time that occurred is when I saw Jerry Manuel play. And it wasn't, he was a, a great football player, but he was an equally fabulous baseball player. And I knew at a young age, watching him, was uh, he, he's going to be a can't miss. The other one was Randy Lurch, who I actually faced in Little League, and uh, he struck me out on three pitches. So I've actually and, met Randy. Um, yes. He has a book. Yep. And just before the pandemic, and this is the time when we had Ed Asner, we had various authors come in, and he was actually going to come and do a talk on his book. Um, but then the pandemic happened, and it, it was difficult for him to sort of get involved. But So you knew him growing up? Yes. Before I've, he became quote-unquote yes. famous? I've do you know heard. who Randy Lurch is? No, okay. I first met Randy when we played Little League together. We didn't yeah. play on the same team. But uh, in 1968, actually 67, going back a few years, uh, I was playing for the Pirates. He was playing for somebody else. I was set, sent up to pinch it for somebody. And I'm thinking to myself, I got to face this guy? I was, let's just say I was scared, scared the bejeebers out right. of me. He had a big high leg kick. Yeah, big whip arm, and he struck me out on three pitches. Wow! And it was good morning, good afternoon, and, and good, good night, night and yeah. that was it. But yeah. I, looking at him, I wasn't even a sports writer then. I was, you know, twelve year old kid. Man, that guy's gonna go places. Yeah. And sure enough, he did. And watching him and covering him in high school uh, was, you you look at guys, and we also had uh, Vicky Baugh here for one season. This was much later. She was a star basketball player, and I had the opportunity to see her once as a freshman, and she was better than any senior in town. And she ended up going to Sakai for her last uh, three seasons, ended up becoming a big star. But you tend, to, if you are a sports writer, you tend to recognize who the, the four and five tool players are. You just have an idea that this person, you know, guy or gal's going to go pro or yeah. really go places. So, Rafael, to answer your question, the answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, and okay. you'll see you'll Thank see you. that, too, if you, uh, if you pursue sports writing, which, for me, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I didn't so much like the hours. You know, we worked three to midnight shifts at the Sacramento Union. We were a little different from the B. We were a little uh, smaller staff, so m much more was expected of us. But uh, it was nonetheless a fabulous, fabulous experience. So the um, Sports Hall of Fame is just going to continue? Just yeah. Long, and you, do you think it'll keep inducting? How many inductees do you have? Do you know? It varies. Yeah. Typically, uh, the first year we had 25, which was probably too many. Yeah. But we usually settle on between 12 and 15. But how many in total do you have? Oh, gosh. Uh, not including the teams. I think there's... Close to uh, 70 or 80 individuals, maybe even more than that over over six years, probably close to 100. But each year we like to induct a team as well. So if you include those folks, we've had a couple of football sure. teams, baseball. So what would a team be? How do you induct a team? Well, there's a nomination process, yeah. and it's open to the public. But what does that mean, a team? A team of what? Football like a, team. What, yeah. For example, example, the 1975 uh, high school team that oh, I referenced okay. earlier, we would induct the entire team and invite them. And you look to see who's still around and you invite oh, yes. them? Yeah, absolutely. We have a very uh, very detailed a... process of getting a hold of people. Wow. And we have a couple of individuals uh, on the committee, one of whom, and I give her full credit, her name is Terry Behrens. Uh, we call her the keeper of the people, Charles. She finds them? She finds them. In fact, she is so good. She will find you before you even think about where you're going next. Wow. That's how good she is. So like a private detective. Yeah, in a, in a matter of speaking. <laughs> yeah. She's our social media guru. And when, it comes, to finding to her, yeah. when it comes to finding people that, that are deemed tough to find, she'll find them. So it's a group that stays together. You all keep in touch with each other? We do. Yeah. Uh, ab absolutely. We meet uh, typically monthly. 
and make the selections in the month, months of May and June. But leading up to that is the nomination process. Uh, folks can nominate. Basically, you can nominate someone year-round. Just make sure to have your nominations in right. by the end of March of that year. Most recent, well, we've we've touched on the MAC, um, and you're involved with the. So you're involved with the MAC in the in the um, exhibit they probably just finished, right? Champions. The Champions exhibit uh, in August and in yeah. early September. Yes. So tell us about Champions. Well, first of all, tell us what Champions exhibit is was. The Champions exhibit was really a storied love letter to Rancho Cordova, on its athletic history right. dating back to the early 1960s. If you went there, you saw storyboards and artifacts and, and uh, billboards, and it was really a showcase event that showcased all of the Hall of Fame inductees that we've had up to this point, plus a few other folks that haven't made the Hall of Fame yet but maybe had notable achievements. And also, what was great about the Champions exhibit, you actually, actually had accoutrements of the era exactly so that's my question so cheryl gleason obviously you know cheryl so who mm-hmm. who um curated it was it you was it her no it was cheryl cheryl uh, cheryl uh cheryl shelley and i met uh, a year and a half ago on yeah. this and it was really the vision of all three of us yeah. but cheryl is the curator yeah uh shelley really provided the guidance right i did all or nearly all of the write-ups yeah uh, the visual elements that were there, we a lot of the times we had on file, and also the vast library at uh, at Cordova High School and at the city of Rancho Cordova. Because here's the question: I went actually, I I saw the exhibit, and there was actual stuff, jackets, oh yeah, baseball bats. There was stuff. Let's call it stuff. Where did it come from? Was it real? You bet it was real. Yeah, so where does it come from? It came from the community. We put out a donate call for donations. In fact, Cheryl did that to where the community could come and drop off donations, whether it's football helmets, cheerleader outfits. In fact, you probably saw a lot of uh, cheerleader yeah. sweaters, mm-hmm. uh, letterman's jackets, yeah. helmets, those, the helmets uh, yeah. of the era. Those were all donated wow. by past players coaches, members of the community. We really got a ton of stuff, including lockers uh, that that were donated as well. So all of that exactly. came from the Rancho Cordova community. And Cheryl, in her vision, did all the layout. And she did it such a fabulous job. In fact, Max Miller, the storied uh, Cordova coach, he went on opening day, and he just beamed and said, this is like going to Cooperstown. Yeah. And that was a huge compliment. Yeah. And it was well attended? Oh, yeah. The exhibit? Yeah, especially on opening night. Yeah. And then the night before, they had a reception there, which was the night before the Hall of Fame induction. And we timed it that way because a lot of the attendees, some of them were going to be inducted the following evening at City Hall. So we had close to, I think, 200 people at that reception. In fact... The 84 girls basketball team, which was to be inducted the following night, nearly every one of them were there at the MAC at the Champions Exhibit, except for one. Uh, one, of the, one of the ladies couldn't make it. She was in, in Africa, overseas. And then each exhibit had a beautiful sort of description made up on foam board. And I, I understand you wrote every one of those descriptions, Pretty right? much, yes. Yeah. Yep, Shelley helped out too. She she uh, did some of the writing, but I did the majority of it. And doing a project like that takes a lot of time. I'm sure it does. But it's rewarding. Yeah, to to a lot see of time how and it research, was being. I would think. Yeah, the research. Even though you have the information, you got to go back and double check it. And there's a lot of things, a lot of little fun facts, I I didn't know. Yeah. Until I found you know some of this stuff out. Yeah. So on the topic of the exhibit at the MAC, we have a question from Jose, who's our producer on the podcast here. And his question is, given the success on the showcase at the MAC, have you ever thought about collaborating with other cities in the greater Sacramento region to curate an even broader Hall of Fame? Well, Sacramento does have its own distinct Hall of Fame, the Sacramento City Hall. Uh, Hall of Fame. A fellow by the name of T.C. Martin runs that. 
and does a fine job on a much broader level. But from a, uh, from a city standpoint, we'd like to broaden our own out, and we've got some ideas there uh, to, uh, to do that. But uh, each city, I think, has its own distinct history, yeah. and certainly Rancho can rival Sacramento yeah. in so many areas relative to sports. And is um, Rancho Cordova still up there in the sports? In certain areas. Right yeah. now, we're, football, we're kind of down in a way. A lot of it had to do with when the base closed in 93, and that really took a lot. And, and the same thing with uh, with with uh, McClellan, or the Army Depot, rather. Uh, it changed the dynamic a little bit, if you will, from terms of numbers. Right. Back in the 70s, Charles, it was not uncommon to see between 70 and 80 kids suit up for a football game. Uh, myself, when I was in high school, I got cut from the baseball team. I was a pretty fair baseball player, but when you have 60 kids going out for 13 uniforms, those kids that got cut ended up playing Senior Babe Ruth or American Legion. They would have started for any other high school in town. And that was the level of play that you had because when those kids came, they came to win. There were just so many of us. Uh, Guy Anderson could only keep 12 or 13 players, so you had to have cuts. Uh, the football team didn't have cuts, but to be on those teams back then, they were so good that uh, the coaches, Ron Lancaster and Dewey, uh, Dewey Guerra, they would often substitute the third and fourth stringers in even before halftime. And then those kids would get experience. So in terms of broadening it out, you know, I like to see a vision of broadening what we have here yeah. in the city of Rancho Cordova. Right. Yeah. So we're coming up to the 20th anniversary of Rancho um, next year. Mm -hmm. Is there, Shelley, when she was here, Shelley Blanchard from Community Council, called over Community Council, she sneak peeked some of the events that, you know, she keeps everything close to her chest, so to speak. Do you plan, is the, is the sports part going to be have anything to do with the 20th? It will, from the standpoint, we will have our Hall of Fame induction that fall and certainly uh, be tied in to the 20th anniversary celebration. Uh, it's certainly a celebration for the city on a number of fronts. Sports is going to play a role. Okay. So there's another project you're involved in, to, you know, tying into the 20th, and that's the new documentary, Rancho Cordova, From Gold Rush to Space. And Nimbus Films um, produced the documentary, and they just had a couple of screenings at the MAC. Yes. Were you involved in that film? Uh, I was. Yeah. I was a, an associate producer for the film. I did a lot of the research. Okay. Uh, Bill George, who is our yeah. producer and filmmaker, yeah. I've known him for several years, and I've collaborated with him on a couple of his other films as well. Right. But this one is by far and away the best, in my opinion, yeah. of all of his films. We had... Pretty much capacity, especially the first night. We actually had to tell people, we're going to have another screening. Right. They couldn't find seats. There were right. just so many people. But it's a fabulous look. It'll take you from uh, the gold rush to space and cityhood in 30 minutes. Right. And uh, when you see it, you'll want to buckle up. It's very proud of it. And um, what is the plan with the film? PBS or just it's just an internal film for the city? No, actually, uh, we're negotiating with PBS to show it on Channel 6. Uh, yeah. A lot of Bill's films get shown on yeah. PBS, uh, both here and in Los Angeles, KCAL. Right. And some of them, we had one, uh, Chinese Builders of Gold Mountain, that ended up being shown in a number of other states uh, because of the subject matter, obviously. Uh, but this one, uh, we, we talked about a film about Aerojet and its contribution to the community early on. And then I had uh, mentioned in a planning meeting, why don't we do one on Rancho as a whole? Because Aerojet certainly has played a, a starring role. But you also had Mather. You also had to have housing for the airmen that came in here, the families, the bedroom community that sprang up. Eldorado Hills was created due in large part to Aerojet, families moving here to uh, uh, take part in the space program that ultimately led to, you know, America being on the moon. So that was a heady time, especially in the early to mid-1960s, uh, to grow up. And not only 
you could hear the uh, the engines at Aerojet being test fired wow. three three times a day. You could hear the B-52s taking yeah. off and landing, but the nuanced listener could tell the difference between the two. The 52s were a different type of noise, and it was really fabulous, especially, you know, we could ride our bikes to a certain spot just outside the base toward the back end of it so and I watch just, the 52s take off and land. I just watched a documentary about B-52s, which, you know, B-52s, my sort of knowledge of B-52s was during Vietnam. I was in England, obviously, but they were the bombing planes, right? They were used extensively in Vietnam. And um, I don't know what this documentary was, but then they're huge airplanes. Yes. And they were here at uh, Mather? Yes, they were. So up, you would see them in and out? Up to, There are up to 20 of them at, at, at wow. one time. Yes, in fact. Active. They were here, like they would load them with bombs and off they go? Well, it's interesting because, yes, they would load them up. A lot of times, obviously, they would stop and refuel along right. the way. But yes, Mather was uh, a major, major yeah. hub right here, you know, for the nation. So you remember Mather Air Force Base? Most obviously. definitely, yeah. Most definitely. That's something we would like to touch on here, and there's a couple of people we're having that um, will come and talk we, about. I that. had neighbors living two and three doors down whose dads not only were uh, in the Air Force, but they were pilots. Yeah. Now it wasn't common knowledge. We didn't. You know, it's not something they talked about. We would learn a little bit later what so-and-so's dad did and what types of planes he flew. But every neighborhood in Rancho Corova seemed to either have a navigator or a pilot uh, flying the 52s. Wow. So when the base closed, it must have been pretty devastating for this town. Well, it was part of the peace dividend, and uh, the the federal government had announced uh, the BRAC commission that there were going to be base closures. And over a period of time, and Mather obviously was included on that list, McClellan a little later. And, you know, Rancho Cordova was front and center in paying the peace dividend. The base ended up being converted, and economic development uh, took hold. It took a while, but now you've got uh, some thriving businesses out there uh, as well. But, yes, Mather was a a major, major employer at one time here. Well, my canal flies by very fast when you're having fun, and we've been just over an hour. Um, so tell me, what's Mike Miranda up to today? What's, oh, what's next for Mike? I'm always, I always seem to be up to something. I was just, uh, I'm also on the committee for the uh, Cordova High School uh, class in 1973. Our 50th reunion, Charles, is coming wow. up next June. And so we have formed a committee. Terry Barron's, of course, is on it. And we're going to have quite a show. Uh, for our our classmates. Uh, what year? 53? Uh, 1973. No, no, but also how many years is that? That would be 50. 50, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have wow. it in June of 2023. So there's still, so you go to this and you see people mm-hmm. that you were with 50 years ago? Yes, yes. Wow. We're going to have it at the uh, Lake Natomas Inn in Folsom, uh, and it's going to be... Uh, Do you recognize each other? I've never been to one of those, so... I, I'm trying to think, if in England, I went to high school in England. If I was to go now, I mean, I guess you go every year, right? Do you go every year? Well, we have had four or five previous reunions. Typically, reunions uh, here are held in 10-year increments. Okay. So we had a 40 and a 30 and a 20 and I'm a trying 10. to think. I remember some people I went to high school with. Yeah. In my head, I think about And I think, okay, if I all of a sudden was in a room with them, would I recognize them? Would you? Would I? Well, with the help of uh, your little button that we yeah, have for your, your picture guess, on yeah. it, then, oh, yeah, you're so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But generally, because, and again, this get, gets back to the uniqueness of Rancho Cordova in the 70s as being a unique community, uh, there are still a lot of people that keep in touch with each other yeah. that they went to high school with. Okay. Uh, personally, I keep in touch with probably a, a half a dozen. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I had a very good friend of mine pass away a couple of months ago that uh, he and I were joined at the hip ever right. since That's sixth grade. That's the problem as you get older, right? People well, start they start to pass away. yeah. They do, but yeah. to answer your question, yeah, a lot of folks do, and some of them come back, especially for the reunion, that have moved out of state Yeah, uh, as well. And so we you stay getting, busy. 
I do. Yeah. Uh, I typically do uh, when I'm when not doing you know sports related stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have a you know 33 year old daughter, and she lives pretty close to us. And uh, no grandkids yet, but no. uh, you know we're always hopeful. Okay. But you, you still do know. a bit of sports riding? I, I don't. No. No. Uh, not uh, not in that sense. No. I am active on Facebook and and comment from time to time on on various things. So as we close here, we've always finished the podcast with five or six fun questions. Do you want to have a bash at them? <laughs> I know I put you on the spot here. Sure, why you not? Want to have a bash? Okay. So and I've done this with the city manager, the police chief, everybody. Everybody's done it. Uh, what is one word that best describes you, Mike Miranda? Tenacious. Tenacious. If you can be a person, I, I think I know the answer to this question. All right, I know the direction you're going to go. If you can be one person for a day besides yourself, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. One person? Uh, th that is a tough one. But if I could be one person, it would have been Vin Scully, yeah. the great Dodger broadcaster. I knew it would be someone yes. like that. What is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is people not pronouncing names correctly. It still is. Only because my name was bought so often as a kid. I like to get it right and get yeah. it right the first time. And I like to connect people right. and remember their names. I have a few tricks to that. So let me ask you, as someone who would announce names, how do you make sure you pronounce someone's name right? Because if all of a sudden the name is in front of you, like, what is your method to thinking, oh, I wonder if this is how you pronounce it? Well, preparation is key. Usually I go to the person or the player. Now, yeah. at the Rivercats, I went to the play-by-play -play guy from the opposing oh, okay. team. Okay, how does this person pronounce Right, right, right. And let's face it, uh, we live in a, in a multicultural yeah. yeah. society. And Especially there's a lot in this of, town. A lot of Latin players, yeah. a lot of other types of players. And the thing is, to get it right, I always right. do do some research. Well, that pet peeve is a very respectful pet peeve, if I may say so, because that's a respect to the person. Do you have any hidden talents? Well, I used to be able to sing a lot of Frank Sinatra stuff. You did? Yes. Uh, when my mom played piano, I'd, I'd do sing-alongs with her. Wow. Uh, I don't do so much of that no. anymore, but perhaps I should retake I it could. up. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, mom was uh, was quite a talent in that regard. My regret is not being able to have her push me to play piano at a young right. age. It's a fascinating instrument. It is. Yeah. And then is there anything that you're working on today that you can't stop thinking about? Wow. Um, I always seem to be doing something with the Hall of Fame. I'm already looking toward next year, yeah. looking at the possibilities starting research which is key i'm always about preparedness because yeah. being prepared there there's nothing in life that there's no such thing as luck luck is taking advantage of the intersection of opportunity and preparedness so in that sense i'm always looking for different whatever i'm involved with looking to better myself uh, i always tried to read a book a month in fact we just had an author's day at the mac yeah I ended up buying seven books, so I think yeah. I'm good for yeah, at least the next several months. Yeah. <laughs> but we had some great authors. Randy Lurch so, was there. And yeah, so, so was... tell me, what kind of author? I missed that, actually. I was out of town. I was going to go to that because we do audio books here in this studio. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. So what kind of authors did they have? Were they local authors? They were. In yeah. fact, we had, I believe, five Cordova High grads. Uh, I thought there were three, but there were two others. Uh, Ada Colangelo was there, Colette Winlock, Class of 73, uh, novelist, uh, Randy Lurch, wrote yeah. God in the Bullpen, he was there. Uh, Wesley Starks is there. In fact, I'm reading his book now. Uh, it tells the story about a group of uh, young, or late teens in one final thing before they become adults, they go to a camp. Well, it's a space camp in another galaxy. It's a novel, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a, fa like yeah. I said, I'm only four chapters well into it. Yeah. But he was a classmate. Yeah. And so all these folks were local authors. Either they went to school here or they live okay, here. Okay, that's a great event. Yeah, I'm, so yeah. I'm really sorry I missed that. It's very well attended. Yeah, it was well and attended. I'm, yes, and I'm sure they'll probably have another one. Yeah. 
And then finally, you're a longtime resident here. What is your favorite restaurant in Rancho Cordova? Oh, gosh. Uh, and right you could have more than one. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Brookside is, is always great. Yeah. Uh, Brookside's an old staple, right? Yep. They're, they're fabulous. Never, yeah. never a bad meal. Yeah. Uh, at all. But one that's uh, kind of right on the cusp, uh, you can't beat Rudy's Hideaway. Uh, since the 1960s, right up through today, they have really? the best lobster on the planet. Yes, the 60s, really. Yep, Rudy's is over on Folsom Boulevard near Aerojet, and uh, it's right before you get to Hazel. Okay, uh, it's a lobster house, and you would love it if you haven't yeah. been there. I no, highly I haven't recommend been there. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, it's truly been a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Well, very I've enjoyed much this. This is for your time. Sure. Well, folks, that's about all we have time for. We've been speaking with Mike Miranda, committee member of the Rancho Cordova Sports Hall of Fame. Michael, thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. And I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to the Rancho Cordova podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please follow us and leave us a review and be sure to tell your friends. Also, please visit our website, at www.ranchocordovapodcast.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please send us a message via the website. And until next time, this is your host, Charles Lego. Mm-hmm.